From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. Good morning to you, Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. And uh, Elaine, here's, uh, you know, I've always wanted to do uh, morning Mornings, drive time. It, you know, I know you've had done that before. I love it. I've always wanted to say, good morning, this good is Pastor morning, Mike. Yeah. I haven't done that. Anyway, welcome, uh, friends, wherever you may be around the world listening to us here on Lighthouse Live. And, and uh, Elaine, boy, nothing better. Mm. On a beautiful spring morning in the Central Valley, sipping mochas uh-huh. with Marty and Terry Lancer. There's nothing I mean, yeah. like it. And you know what? We really didn't even have to show up this morning no. to do this because our friend Marty d- could run this by himself. You know? I was going to say, uh, you know what? I, I, I don't know. I, I could walk out the door. <laughs> and uh, Marty carry the whole thing. Yeah, so, but anyway, we're, but we're yeah. we're certainly glad that we're all here. And uh, a great privilege to have yes. the Central Valley broadcasting mm-hmm. legend Marty Lancer Indeed. with us. And Marty's been a good brother uh, in Christ. Uh, known him for many years now, and of course his wonderful wife Terry. And yes. we just have the privilege of being able to uh, visit with them uh, today. Talk uh, to them a little bit about uh, their lives and uh, what God is doing in them and through them. Before we get started uh, today, though, friends, we just want to remind you, if you'd like to check out new opportunities to serve, you can do that on our Lighthouse Live and Advancing Vibrant Communities website at www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. Click that little red flashy thing. That gizmo. That's, uh, yeah, that's technical talk there. Uh, click that little red flashy doohickey and uh, it'll take you right to the daily update page and uh, it'll give you brand new opportunities to serve there. Before we go on, let's check in uh, with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, this is Toby Mack with another story of a real-life Jesus freak from the Voice of the Martyrs. In Pakistan, because her family is living in poverty, Zeba found work as the servant to a wealthy Muslim family. But when she's ordered to memorize verses from the Quran, the Christian girl refuses to repeat the verses. She's beaten. Then she's falsely accused of stealing and arrested. When Zeba's mother visits the Muslim family to take up her daughter's defense, the family throws gasoline on her and lights her on fire. Though Zeba's mother is gone, her courage inspires Zeba to want to become a Bible teacher in this country so opposed to the gospel. What inspires you? For more stories of courage, go online to persecution.com. Back with you here on Lighthouse Live. You know, Elaine, that's just a reminder that uh, the church really flourishes, you know, when it's under persecution. And I think, uh, you know, so many times we uh, refer to the fact that here in the United States of America, we've become, I think, a little bit uh, lazy. 
you know, in our, in our faith, complacent maybe. Complacent. There you go, Marty. Yeah. And our our idea of persecution sometimes is nothing compared to what we just yeah, heard absolutely. in that story. I, I think of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, and and Daniel. That was just woo. Yeah, amen. Ugh. I'm afraid that perhaps uh, we may be seeing times like that in our country. I don't know if we will see them in our lifetimes. I don't want to get into ages here, but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think maybe those times in our country are coming. Um, yeah, I think you're right, Marty. Yeah, I, do too. I, I think you're right. I think we see things on the uh, on the horizon. And, and I think, you know, one of the, the lies that we operate under is, well, this is a Christian country. We're never going to have to worry about it. And I don't no, think I don't so. Think. You know, we, Not anymore, yeah. at least. I, I think, uh, now would it be fair to say that when this country was founded back in 1776, and none of us were around to confirm this, but... Um, from what I read and what I hear, that people at least feared God mm. or respected God. Um, I don't. Thomas Jefferson was not a Christian, I believe. That, that's that's accurate to say. But uh, some of our founding fathers were, and so that did trickle down. But we've gotten away from that now. Well, and it comes back to uh, really walking out our faith. And uh, of course, we come back to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through forty two commandments christ gave us to love god with our whole being and love your neighbor as yourself and friends we uh, we need to be about that business and speaking uh, about being about business of course brad dacus yes. and the good folks at the pacific justice institute are keeping their thumbs on the pulse of what's going on legally let's check in this week for the legal edge it's time for the legal edge a look at your rights as a christian a parent and a citizen and now with a look at what's happening on the legal front the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Anti-religious censorship is alive and well at Liberty Union High School in Brentwood, California. You see, proud parents of a 2007 graduate bought a congratulatory ad for the school yearbook where they chose to use the phrase, quote, may God bless your life. And many other parents had religious references in their ads. But the yearbook staff substituted so-called less offensive words for the religious references. Well, the Pacific Justice Institute has informed the district that its decision violates the First Amendment. Will the yearbook staff reinstate the original ads honoring the parents' religious and free speech rights? Or will it maintain its discriminatory attitude and be sued? Stay tuned. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And, you know, friends, we encourage you to support the Pacific Justice Institute. Great work that they do. And, by the way, when these cases come up, all that work is done pro bono. They do not charge uh, the mm-hmm. folks that they're representing. And you can call them toll-free at one 9129 That's one 9129 Again, their website really is a dynamite website. It's www.pacificjustice.org. And ours is not too shabby ourselves. I know. That's a good one, too. Check ours out, too, because there are lots of opportunities to serve, to volunteer. As we take a look at the Volunteer Center of the United Way's opportunities this week through the Lend Hand List, the American Red Cross is having their 19th annual CPR Saturday, and they need volunteers to set up and coordinate activities uh, like cleaning up and checking in, uh, correcting written tests as they teach people how to uh, do CPR kind 
kind of things, and Pastor Mike knows all about that with his <laughs> past history of uh, emergency Blowing up recessing Annie. Yeah, uh, blowing up. <laughs> it's a good skill, not the blowing up of recessing Annie, but the, CP, <laughs> but, the, but the CPR skill is a great skill It's a have. great skill, isn't it, Marty? A great yes. opportunity for those of us she to volunteer. She flatlined after that. It was <laughs> a terrible it was, thing. It was a terrible scene. I think they buddy. did a, a horror yeah. movie or something after that. But anyway. Were you trying to go somewhere with I think with so, and okay, so we shall proceed. Anyway, they're celebrating uh, 90 years of providing services at the American Red Cross to residents of Stanislaw County and providing relief to victims of disaster and preventing uh, and preparing for emergencies responding to. So this would be a wonderful thing uh, to do. Also, uh, one of my favorites, the YMCA of Stanislaw County, uh, having Healthy Kids Day put Play in your day, and we like to do that here as well. This is Saturday, April 14th from 9 until 1 p.m. This is a free, family-friendly uh, event, many train rides, uh, exciting activities. All right. Kids. This is, this is going to be a lot of fun. Where is that? And it takes place at 2700 McHenry Avenue in Modesto, and they need volunteers to do all sorts of things, to help prepare goodie bags, to set up, clean up, serve, and all kinds of things. And, again, it's about serving and, and uh, making relationships and just having a great time there as well. Reading Works is another great, great uh, organization that we just just totally recommend that our volunteers participate in. Teach an adult to read and actually change their life and their future. They're setting up a, a volunteer um, workshop for you to take part in Wednesday, April 11th from 6.30 to 8 p.m., followed by a tutor training on Saturday, April 14th, just before tax day, and I know that's oh another favorite of yours, but this takes place at the Modesto Library Downstairs Auditorium. Reading Works, a partnership of the Stanislaw County Library and the Stanislaw Literary, Literary, Literacy Center, and I think I better go there and check this out. <laughs> they provide free literacy services for adults who need to improve their basic academic skills skills in Stanislaw County, and of course the Volunteer Center of the United Way, where you can reach Barbara Borba with any of your questions. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113, again 209-524-1307, extension 113, and you can always contact us and our website, because we daily uh, have an opportunity for you to check out many of those uh, opportunities to serve. You know, Mike, we were joking earlier, we could have just handed this uh, entire morning over. Over to Marty. I we, he were. we may <laughs> perhaps we should, but you know, collectively and individually, we go back a few years with Marty, and and I tell you what, the voice and the personality of Marty Lancer. When I think about it, Marty, uh, many people could probably identify with you as let's see there's big marty lancer yeah, we go that, back and we can we can yeah. even say where where that was if we wanted to that was at b93 93.1 and uh and all these 100 oh, too. Oldies 100 and then there was the lighthouse yep yeah for about four years and now we are at the uh flying plane traffic Flying Blind Traffic and Weather Center. That's right. Their channel radio. Their channel radio. On five different stations. Wow. And uh, working a split shift, 5 to 9 a.m. and 3 to 7 p.m. Uh, people ask me how I like that, and I say that I like it fine. My wife is not quite as crazy about it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're making it uh, you know making it work. Um, there are advantages. You know, people ask me, well, Marty, how do you like doing the traffic? Is it fun? And I have to say, no, it's not fun. Um but I look at fun maybe a little differently than some people. You know, going to Pismo Beach is fun. Um, <laughs> going, going, going to an Oakland A's game is fun. That is fun. Um, yes. Play, uh, playing oldies on the radio was fun. Yeah. Um, but this is uh, this is rewarding in a lot of ways. For one thing, um, 
I think it's uh, it's sh- it showed me that because uh, we have a scanner going, and I, I do that so that uh, you know when I'm on the air doing my traffic reports, we can keep abreast, especially of what's going on in Stockton and Modesto uh, with traffic. And of course, we hear all the other stuff. And if people think, well, you know, our society really isn't that bad, um, boy, they, I think it's kind of weird, actually. <laughs> They need to listen to that scanner. And, and I'll tell you what, four hours, one day, um, and you'd be surprised. And Well, maybe not, because Mike has a law enforcement background, and you guys see. But, I mean, I, I think what surprises me is the times of the morning stuff happens. You know? Early, isn't at, it? At six, Early. at 6 o'clock in the morning, we got people fighting, and I'm thinking, why aren't you asleep? I mean, you know, is it road rage or what is it, Marty? No, it, I, I think uh, what a lot. There's probably some road rage going on, but I think what, uh, and we we do see that too. But um, I think what it is more is uh, people partying late and they get really? into a disagreement about something, mm, um, okay. or they get up and get into a disagreement about something. That is also a possibility. But people fighting at six o'clock in the morning, I'm going for crying out loud, you know. Um, and we hear, you know, lots of other things too. Um, and I think it's 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 sort of um, made me aware uh, of where our society is. The other thing um, is that it's nice to have people say, "Boy, you're doing a good job." Um, mm. we, I listen for your traffic reports. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of times when when you're on the air as a DJ, if you talk too much, people change the dial. Um, and plus, you get in trouble by the boss. We've both that's been true. That. We've been there oh yeah. We, yeah. We, and now you know, of course, when we were growing up. You had your uh, AM car radios that had five buttons on them. That's right. And those were your only choices And now. you get really ticked when your girlfriend starts <laughs> punching the buttons. You know, yeah. You know, bring me up. Bring yeah. Bring me up. But now you have 18 choices. Yeah. You know, six on AM usually and 12 on FM. And so um, it's nice to have people tell me, hey, we listen for your traffic reports. i got to have them. And we, so that is a rewarding aspect of and it. And you know what's rewarding, Marty, is to walk into a place of business and hear your traffic reports <laughs> and, and knowing, there's Marty. And people recognize you. And I know I hear people in church saying, I know Marty. I know Marty. I listen to him. Well, I've worked at a few stations, namely the last two, AM 1280 Lighthouse. Uh-huh. And, and before that, it was Cool 1280. I'd say I worked there, and people, huh, what? And on, which was unfortunate, but, but the fact of the matter was, AM twelve A, the lighthouse, was a really. I think we did some good things. Amen. It just was not as appreciated, I think, as uh, Clear Channel Communications wanted it to be, um, in the amount of listeners and and the amount of money it was bringing in. And when you're dealing with a secular corporation, you have to take those things into account. They're That's right. they're real factors. No. Um, Marty, here in this community, people recognize flying blind traffic, and we just kind of, you know, it's a, almost like a, a household name here. Now, other communities are listening, even worldwide. Can you believe that? We're, we're listening to people. We have listeners in Iraq. We have uh, listeners in the eastern part of this country. So other communities are listening as well. Let's talk about the name, where that comes from, and let's talk about your background. Let's talk a little bit about your life, because you and Terry have been wonderful friends. You're, you're a wonderful brother and sister in Christ, and, and we go back a ways but you have a wonderful life marty and and you are using your special gifts and talents that the lord has given you let's talk a little bit about that and share your life share your heart with our listeners well i am blind and that's where the flying blind tra- traffic came from it was my wife's idea though she said how about if we call it flying blind traffic and everything yeah that's kind of cool <laughs> so you for people that uh, are listening out of the community right now. Uh, I do guide people around in the morning and tell them where to go and where not to go as far as the roadways, and I am blind. Um, I see 
basically not even really light and dark anymore and a few shadows. Um, I was born prematurely, got too much oxygen in the incubator. It created scar tissue on the retinas of my eyes. And that was pretty com- I was born in 1954, by the way. And those everyone here in this room can relate because um, in the 50s and the 40s and before, this too much oxygen was Are we was telling a on ourselves here with uh, the Yeah, we're dating ourselves we are. here, aren't we? Mm-hmm. I'm first the second was, oldest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> first it was the AM buttons. And yeah, AM. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And Marty remembers dates so well. Yeah, I, I do. So well. Okay. Um, but I was, uh, you know, that was pretty common. Now you don't see the too much oxygen anymore, at least very much. And, and the basic problem by the time at least I was born was they knew or they had a good idea there was a correlation between too much oxygen and blindness. They didn't know, however, how much was too much. And so that was, um, you know, people had, had said to me many years ago, hey, why don't you sue? You know, they made a mistake. And I said, well, you know, um, I didn't want to go there because it was more of a fact that medical knowledge had not caught up as opposed to doctors you know, being negligent, there was none of that. It was it was medical knowledge, just not knowing how much oxygen was too much. So I, uh, from the time I was born to the time I was two months, I was losing my vision. And then in about two months, it pretty much stabilized to where it is now. I don't have quite as much as I did before, but then I didn't have very much before either. So it was, uh, you know, people say, well, gee, isn't, you know, aren't you kind of upset about, you know, you lost some of your light perception? I said, well, you know, we all... As we get older, we lose our eyesight. And my problem was I just didn't have very much to lose. And, <laughs> and, and so it, it's kind of, you know, that's, that, that's been the story with that. But I, I grew up in Seattle, um, went to school at a um, uh, regular school that had a special kind of, a, I guess what we call a resource program for the blind in that, you know, district. So I went to school. I, I did have to go across town. I did not go to my own neighborhood school, but I did stay in my district and went across town. And then I went to college at Washington State University. Uh, my goal was to be on the radio. Hmm. And, um, it was in your blood. It was, yeah, okay. it was, Still whether is. I wanted it to be or not. You know, there are times I wish, you know, couldn't I do something else? I mean, you know, but it's meant it, to be. it hasn't. I had somebody tell me in 1984 when I walked in to apply for a job and I gave him my tape and I gave him my resume and he said, you are a radio junkie. That's mm-hmm. just the way. And I said, yeah, I've never heard myself referred to that way before, but I guess that's really true. Um, and um, so I went to college, Washington State University, and got into radio after that. And then I became, a, and that was in 1977. I became a Christian in 1978. I was not raised, I was raised, you know, and I don't, some people might have a problem with this today. I was raised in a good home, but it wasn't a Christian home. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom basically raised me on her own, though. My dad was not around. And, uh, or at least he wasn't around for a lot of that. And, uh, so, and she's a very moral person. Um, and if I was actually to be asked today, is she a believer? I don't know. I don't think so, but I'm not sure because she, she is a very moral person, um, has a lot of integrity. Um, but as far as, you know, talking about the Lord, uh, her response would be, you know, that is a private thing. Mm. Um, you know, we don't, we don't showcase that. Mm. Um, and because that's, and so I, I think there's still some gap there as far as at least where she is and, and where I'd like her to be and where and where you know we are here in this room. But, um, but I became a Christian in 1978, and I met my wife Terry in 1986. Marty, uh, how did how did God into your life and uh, when, when you made that decision? What what happened? There? Well, you know, um, I think. I was, um, in 1975, I was 21, and I started to realize, um, you know, though I had a lot of good things about me, um, 
that um, I also had some shortcomings. And no matter how much I, and I still do, by the way, um, have <laughs> shortcomings. And, and, you know, just maybe like Steve Brown says, the radio pastor, you know, he says, I'm just less of a rascal than I used to be. And that, <laughs> and, and that, I love that. And that really is, uh, you know, true for me. You know, aren't we all? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If we're, if we're honest about it. Um, I started to realize that, um, you know, I had some shortcomings in my life that I didn't know how to deal with, and I could see that uh, these shortcomings were going to stop me from progressing um, in the ways that I wanted to. For instance, I wanted to, uh, you know, at some point have a family, you know, be married and have a family. But I knew I was very selfish for whatever reason. That's just the way it was. And so I thought, oh, those two things don't mix very well. Well, I can just be less selfish. Well, it, <laughs> it's not that easy, um, or at least it wasn't for me. The other thing was I didn't have um, I didn't have a lot of confidence when it came to talking about the afterlife. You know what happens? Hmm. What happens? Yeah, when you're 21 years old, you're not thinking about dying a lot. But um, I remember one day. This is when I was in Wenatchee, where I had my first radio job in 1978. There was a story on the radio about a guy who was 27, which would have been three years older than me dying in a house fire. Mm. And I remember thinking, wow, this guy was only three years older than me. And I was very uncomfortable by that, even though I did not know him. Um, you know, I'd never met him before. I was still very uncomfortable with, with that thought of, man, you know, three years, I'll be his age. What's going to happen if something happens to me? So through, I got into the, uh, the Amway business for a while, and I met some people through Amway who were Christian people, and, and through them, uh, I came to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard a, a, a speaker who, uh, on a Sunday morning, November 26, 1978, gave her testimony, and at the end of her testimony and her life story, she said, now, I want you to think of this in a couple of ways. She goes, let's say you listen to what I have to say today, You've been, you know, impressed by it. You believe me, and you accept the Lord Jesus Christ today. And on the day you die, though, you find out the whole thing was a farce. Mm. No such thing. What have you lost? Because you see, you've led a quality life. And I thought, yeah, that's right. Um, and I didn't know enough about the Bible to understand everything or to know what all that meant. But I thought, I want to lead a quality life. That, that is what this is all about. And she goes, now you have to look at the other side of the scenario. We, we have to paint both pictures. Let's say you don't accept the Lord today, and you never do. And I'll die, the day you die, you find out that was a farce. What are you going to do? And I, that was all. That was all I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. I thought, mm-hmm. today's the day. I don't understand this. I don't know. People talk about uh, the elation at becoming a Christian and the, the emotional high. I didn't really go through that um, because... I knew some things in my life were going to change, and I was afraid of that. Hmm. Um, so I was already kind of, if you will, second-guessing that process and saying, whoa, I know the next however many months are going to be an adventure, and I'm not quite sure how it's all going to turn out, and I'm scared to death. But I know that this is the way it's going to be, and it was. It was an adventure, and it, it turned out great, but um, I was scared. 
You know, isn't that uh, a point where where God enters our lives? You know, He meets us right where we are, yes. and I think one of the uh, one of the problems that so often in, in our churches that, that we do is is we we give the perception anyway that people have to get cleaned up or have to uh, get somewhere before they can meet us. And God wants to meet us right where we are at at, at our point at our worst point, or at the point where we're really questioning, where we're uh, very scared, and, and it's just wonderful how he says, okay, this is the time. Now you're ready. Yeah. You know, Marty, you and I have shared before, and, and we talked a little bit about, and, and you alluded to it earlier, about your years, especially in college, prior to accepting the Lord. Um, we can either make choices, and we do, don't we, uh, to either take the easy way and go the way of the world or to make those other choices. But, And you certainly are. And I think of the, uh, I, I see the fruits of the Spirit in your life, and, and Terry's nodding because she does as well, and everybody that knows you sees this, because you do that. You have chosen uh, this road to take, and you allow the Lord to use your special gifts and talents, and you have so many to minister to others in your life as you go along through uh, the radio ministry and through just your everyday life. Um, And you don't use the blindness or anything else because life in itself, whether we're we're sighted or not, has obstacles. You know, every day has obstacles and challenges and things to overcome, but you don't let any of that stop you. Well, I think you have to be honest about your limitations sometimes. Uh, obviously, for instance, if you're blind, you can't drive a car. Um, that would not they, be they, they haven't figured out a way to make that happen yet. And so if someone says, I want you to could drive down here and come get me, you know, you can say, well, you know, I'd like to do that, but I can't, you know. And if I did, I'd never make it to come get you. Um, they'd be pulling my car out of, uh, and, and then I'd be talking about me this afternoon on the, on the, you know, on the, on the traffic report. How would you describe that? What would that sound like, Marty? <laughs> well, we had some, uh, there's, there are times I think, oh, I can't believe we'll hear about people racing and stuff and what, you know, I think, oh, what a, you know, yeah. and I never, of course, refer to people as idiots on the air, but, but that's how I would have to refer to myself <laughs> yeah, if, if that, if that scenario would, would have taken place. But, uh. Yeah, I you know the, the the thing about it is that uh, we do have limitations. I, for instance, I know and I and I've been told that men have a harder time multitasking than women do, and I don't know if that's true, but I think my blindness comes into play there to an extent. It's a little harder to multitask, so you try to be a little more prepared. That's how you get around that. Um, so you have to be aware of your limitations, but you can't. I don't know. You can't make excuses because um, people don't care about that really. Um, they just, and, and especially, you know, I work in the secular world, um, but they want the job done. That's mm-hmm. all they care about. Yeah. And, and, and in an environment where 30% of blind people work, that means the other 70% don't. Um, you know, that's obvious that, you know, they want results. They don't care, um, about your excuses or how nice a person you are or that your computer doesn't work. The talking software doesn't work today. That's, that's too bad. You know, they want results. And so um, people don't want to hear excuses. They, they just don't want to hear that. And, Marty, you're, uh, you're in a business, and, you know, we're <laughs> much different here on with Lighthouse Live. But uh, in, in the secular world, you're in, a, you're in a rough and tumble business. Radio is not an easy gig, is it? Well, you know, it wasn't when we got into it in the yeah. 70s. Um, I had a – you know, I can answer the question this way. I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's also blind, who's also in radio up in Washington State, which is where I'm from. And we were talking, to, he and I were 
And I said, you know, Kevin, I don't encourage any blind people to go into radio anymore because of the technology. Um, computers have made it harder, not easier. Mm. Um, you know, because you have to outfit each computer system with talking software to work. Um, and that's not just anybody can go in and do that. That's a, And he said, uh, Marty, I wouldn't recommend sighted people going to it anymore. <laughs> that's true. But, Marty, I've watched Amen. you work in action, and you truly are a master at what you do. And, and what I see and what, what, what I'm thinking of is the heart attitude that you have toward your wife. You don't use it. I've never seen any bitterness come out of you and i've seen you and terry as you serve people within the avc ministry you've gone to people who uh are are blind or or at least uh, uh legally blind I, i'm thinking of one particular woman yeah, in, in, yeah. in particular and i'm not sure if she's totally blind or not but she is uh, she is okay and and her attitude is not what yours is and we both we both know that and you just you just exude uh, a, a hard attitude that is is not not like hers, and and you know, and, and bless her heart. If I were in her situation, I'm probably you know, I, I'm thinking you know, I might have some bitterness. I would hope not, but a lot of people do. Well, you know, um, I've been one of the things that I have to admit, I've been blessed so many ways uh, in my life. Mm. Um, you know, I was blessed with no, I didn't have much of a father presence growing up, but mm. I had a mother who was again had a lot of integrity, a lot of spunk, if you will. And, you know, and even my dad in my younger years wanted to see that I had as many opportunities as I could have. So I had good, you know, good parenting, I would say. Um, and in a lot of cases, um, especially, you know, they say that, that in, in homes where there's a handicapped child, divorce is so much more uh, a current mm. um, because um, it, it, it's not according to plan. This is something we didn't count on. Now, how do we deal with this? And a lot of couples just can't handle it so now you have one parent raising a child who has special needs whatever they may be when it's hard enough for two and imagine you know they say that you know it's hard enough for two parents to raise quote unquote normal kids whatever that means now you have a special needs child be it blind deaf or whatever the situation is mm -hmm. and one parent has to raise that child mm. i know of someone who um, has a lot of uh, difficulty in his life, and, and what it really all comes back to is that his parents never really could accept his blindness. Oh. That's what it really comes back to. Mm. Square one, if you, know, you can say a lot of things, but square one, the root cause is, is that his parents cannot accept his blindness, and they just don't know how to do that. You know, I've heard when someone hands you lemons, you make lemonade, or there's another one I think Pastor Mike likes. It's, it's what's the saying is when the going gets tough, the tough grab chocolate or something yeah, like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, no. Tree 63 says it best in their song, Blessed Be Your Name. We'll be back with lots more on Lighthouse Life. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful. Where your streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing. Is in the 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine, and Marty Lancer, and his lovely wife, Terry. It's so great to have you here, Marty. We were just talking. Terry does talk, by the way. She does, and I'll tell you what, she she talks quite well. She smiles. Marty, you just don't ever get a word in. (laughs) (laughs) Marty, can you believe that? Yeah, I can, actually. (laughs) The truth we're knowing, yeah, I I can believe that. You know what? We have had some of the greatest times uh, sitting around at restaurants after church just having lunches and just just chatting because I know <laughs> I'm thinking Marty about the times that uh, Doug and 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 we'll get together after lunch and we start talking radio. Terry and Doug just might you know they think well it's all over now but you know hours and hours we talk shop but anyway it it is so wonderful to have you guys here today and I know Terry you know life we were talking about obstacles and and the ins and outs of everyday life Marty your life would not be what it is today without Terry. And Terry, you oh, could probably true. say the same. Yes. Um, you Easily. guys <laughs> you guys are together probably not 24-7, but almost. Well, we work together, which a lot of people will say to me, oh, man, I mean, I think that's great, you guys. I couldn't stand working with my husband or wife. I love them, but I couldn't, you know, working with them is a little bit different. Um, Terry and I, at one level or another, we've always worked together uh, in the early days. Well, we've been married since 1989. I, I, I think I said earlier we met at a church singles group in Oregon in 1986. We got married in 1989, and then we moved down here. Um, she, We probably worked in the beginning maybe a couple hours a day. This was back before the technology came in. Um, and I was able to be pretty independent in a lot of things. However, as, tech, as, as we gotten more technological, um, you know, that independence is... Um, had to go by the wayside. Uh, s- simply, we kind of talked about it a little earlier with, that companies are kind of hesitant about letting somebody come in there and let me install talking software on your server. Um, there and and there's some good reasons for that. Um, you know, someone who thinks they know what they're doing, who doesn't know what they're doing, um, could really create some damage and not mean to. So they're a little hesitant about that. Um, we're working on that now for me. But even so, with, with my job. Uh, Terry helps me so much with the gathering of the information from the CHP website, for instance, yes. for traffic. That um, And the other thing I think that, that people need to probably be aware of is talking software is wonderful, but you're a little slower, I think, than the, the average sighted person. And, I, and in secular business, well, things fast, fast. we we got to have this now. Um, and we do four reports an hour, one every 15 minutes, so it's it's pretty fast. You're When it's busy, you're really – two of us are jumping um, – when it's quieter, as the mornings generally are quieter than the afternoons, then it's a little more laid back. Um, but, yeah, I, my wife, um, 
I thank God for every day. She's your best we'll friend. Yes, she is. She's your soulmate. Absolutely. She's yeah. your partner in ministry. Yeah. yeah. I know you guys belong to small groups. You've had Bible studies in your home, uh, partners in ministry, and, and I know she's your one of your rocks, Marty. And, oh, and that's a absolutely uh, an awesome thing. She was bringing up during the the break. We were talking about some of the. Um, some of the uh, issues about being blind, and she was talking about some of the blessings, actually, about blindness. Do you want to speak Well, there are, there are blessings to being blind. Um, you know, I mean, and on the little lighter side, I don't have to mow the lawn on Saturday. That's, <laughs> no, that's, that's hey. a <laughs> He likes that. All right. I, 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 you don't have Josh out there doing that yet, huh? Uh, I guess not. Well, you know, there are child labor laws, oh, so yeah. I'll take the fifth. Out of it. He's learning, though. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years, he'll he'll be he'll be probably ready for that. No, but but there are advantages to being blind. For one thing, um, you know, blind people generally, uh, and this is a universal thing, don't care what people look like. Um, mm. For instance, um, and I think, which is why you and I get along so well. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Uh, you don't care what I look like, and I don't care what you look like. <laughs> they, you know, the, um, sometimes in church, I I think our church is getting better about this now. But you know. Someone may come into church and they don't have the uh, nice suit or even the nice pair of pants uh, and the nice shirt. Um, that they may be unkempt. Well, a blind person doesn't really care about that. Um, that's not even going to catch the radar at all. They can stick out their hands, say "nice to meet you," and mean it because they're not, um, you know, they're not encumbered with that. Um, and I think that's one advantage. That, that a blind person really has, they don't care what you look like. What mm. they care about is what you know, what's inside, what they perceive, what's inside, and what you have to say. Mm. And and I, I think that sometimes blind people can be taken in by someone who's smooth that can lie convincingly. Um, and whereas maybe a sighted person can look in the eyes and say, "Ooh, there's something not quite right there." Um, I'm going to be leery of that person just because, and not because of how they look, but because I, I sense something going on with what they say, not matching what they do, by the look in their eyes. It's very perceptive. Yes. You know, Marty, uh, one, one of the things that, as we grow up, if we're sighted, you know, especially those of us who grew up in the, you know, we're born in the in the 50s and... and Ooh, uh, going back. Well, all right. <laughs> all right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Anyway. He's the young guy here, though. <laughs> yes, I gotta say, Marty, all did you have to say that? people around here. Anyway, those of us born in the 50s, okay. thank you. I'm there, too. You know, we, we grew up with this concept of, of what Christ uh, looks like from, you know, that, that picture that was in all the churches. Mm-hmm. You know, the flowing right. hair, the yeah. beautiful complexion, the blue eyes. And, and later on, you're going, well, you know, I'm not sure that quite, you know, fine. as I'm reading and you learn things, you're going, Man, is that what he looked like? And then, of course, I think Jim Caviezel probably uh, redefined uh, a couple of years ago in, in, in the movie, you know, what, what Christ looked like in, in The Passion. Marty, for um, a blind person, talk about your concept of Christ and what does look like mean in, in your mind when it comes to the Lord? Well, really, look like doesn't mean too much to me because mm-hmm. I've never been able to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for people... And we talked about this during the 363 song, that, um, you know, to a blind person who's always been blind, now I think if you've been able to see, it's different, uh, and you loop because you still have a lot of those visual images. Um, but for me, not having, uh, you know, not ever having been able to see, um, I don't think a lot about what Christ is like, or what he looks like, I should say. I think about more what he is like, Amen. and, you know, 
um, how far I am from emulating him, and because the more you learn, the more you know that you're you know you're not there yet. Um, and I think that, uh, and how is he going to react to this or that? Um, and I've heard this said, and I think this is true that sometimes we tend to see Christ maybe as we saw you know be, our real father, mm-hmm. biological parents have a say in that. Right. because that's the only experience we have. I think I do suffer from that. That's not a blindness thing. I think that's just a, a personal thing we all struggle with. But what he looks like, I, I'm going to be surprised, I think. Um, you know, we were talking during the break about uh, the first person I will see will be Jesus Christ. That, mm-hmm. in, uh, that in fact, is true. Amen. But, um, and then I, I think, Elaine, you asked me, do I think about that a lot? The answer, I think about it, but I don't think about it a lot because... I cannot imagine what it's like to see anything. Hmm. See, and I, I think just as you cannot imagine what it's like to see anything, we cannot imagine what it's like not to see anything. Exactly. Yeah, I can't. Um, now, the, the amusing story comes to my mind when I was uh, one of the towns I lived in in, in Washington. I, for a few months, I stayed with a pastor and his family. We were eating dinner, and their five-year-old all of a sudden spills his drink. And the dad says, now, Justin, I want you to tell me why that happened. And Justin says, because I was goofing around. And his dad says, no, but specifically, Justin, what were you doing? Oh, I was pretending I was like Marty. Oh. And, oh, <laughs> you know, he, he, he reached out for his drink, and he did what I did when I was five a lot. He spilled it and because uh, he didn't remember where I was. And uh, so you can pretend, um, but I'm sure there's a, a you know, there you could put a blindfold on, but I'm sure there would be a real sign of relief when uh, you were able to take that off mm-hmm. because... It takes. Um, I'm one of the things I'm doing now is I'm taking a computer class at VIPS, uh, visually impaired yes. person support. Yes. And I'm encountering a lot of people who are losing their sight in their adult life, which of course was not my situation. That's harder. Mm. That's a lot harder than going through what I've had to go through because what I've been going through is has been, you know, I've been this way all my life, and it's been a steady day by day adaptation, and. What's what's even worse, I think, for people who lose their sight, gradually, they have to keep on adapting and changing as their vision changes. I think it would be easier to just wake up one morning, your sight's gone. Then you realize, okay, here's what I have to deal with, mm. and it's there's going to be a downtime and an adjustment time for sure. But for people who are losing their sight, you know, one year it's 20 over 200, the next year it's 20 over 400, the next year it's 20 over 6. You have to keep, you know, adjusting to that. What kind of encouragement are you giving them, Marty? Well, um, you know, I, I uh, hopefully from my life, uh, I'm encouraging them. I'm trying to, to let them know of every opportunity that's out there. Um, I, um, a lot of them are tapped into churches now, which is, is, is kind of neat. Um, and that's something I'd like to do a little more of is in, invite them to church um, to get to know them better. Uh, for me, at least, to, to tell them about the Lord, I, I have to establish a relationship, and I'm still working on that. Amen. It's about relationships, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, the computer classes are such that, you know, one group will be leaving, the other group will be coming in. There's not a lot of time there to, you know, five or ten minutes maybe to really do a lot of talking and, and you know, because sometimes they have to leave right away, and I'm going into my class, and then after my class, I'm leaving, and the next group is starting to come in. So... Yeah, that takes some time. Yeah. Well, we've got lots more with Marty Lancer right after this. 
Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39, to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about ABC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. You know, some of us can do donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing Vibrant Communities. Faith in action. Pure, simple, proven effective. Carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you.
And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike, Elaine, and Marty, and Terry Lancer. So good to have you back with us. It just feels good. It's like old times again, isn't it, Marty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a uh, like we, the old Boss Jock reunion weekend. Like a reunion. <laughs> only, only we're not puking on ourselves. You no, know? no, we're not. No, that's <laughs> we right. don't want to do that, do we? <laughs> Marty and Terry, I tell you what, it's it's great having you here. And, and Marty, we were talking about your involvement over at the VIPS, which is the Visually Impaired Persons Support Group. And, and just as we went to break, Terry says, I was going to say something. And Terry, I wanted you to hold that thought, precious sister, because it's not very often that you pipe up and say something, especially when we're on the air. So what was it you wanted to share? I think Marty forgets sometimes that he offers hope to people just by his life. People, even sighted people will say, you know, Marty does this Mm -hmm. and I'm sighted. I should be able to do at least Mm -hmm. that much. Mm -hmm. Or people who are newly blind will think, you know, Marty's does this and this, and I think maybe I can do part of it, or I can learn Braille too, or I can, mm. whatever it would be, because he's constant. He's like a happy puppy, Marty <laughs> is. He's really full of a lot of joy, and so everybody he talks to, you know, what are you doing? Uh, you know, trying to encourage people to do something besides sit at home and feel sorry for themselves, sure. reach out, get out of your house, that kind of stuff, and that's an encouragement too. It's just not. Um, what the rest of us do with our life as much. Mm. He does it with his life just every day. I think you both do that. I think it's <laughs> wonderful that you that you honor your husband that way. I don't know of anyone that doesn't love you too. And you know what is so cool? I, I, I'll never forget the time the first time that Marty told me that he saw a movie and I thought what did he really see a movie and he was describing because you guys go to movies he actually plays baseball he goes to baseball games and does play-by-play baseball games marty do you remember that oh yeah (laughs) i my career doing play-by-play was short-lived but it was in 1994 with the modesto then the modesto a's oh now we're the nets yeah and and i was doing actually the color commentary but that was a lot of fun that that was that's kind of a dream job that that would be a fun job uh, that would I, be, I think yeah. to be able to do. Uh, I could see both of you doing that, actually. Well, Terry probably would have some other ideas. <laughs> that wouldn't on, be a fun on... job for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, in your your day to day activities, I was thinking about how involved you guys are here in the ministry at Advancing Vibrant Communities. How you daily check the website and you check out the needs, and how you so generously give to those who are less fortunate. That just, it blows me away. And I love that we get to partner together to make a difference in the community. You talk about being salt and light. You truly are. Well, you know, I appreciate that. It amazes me how many of us, though, have things that um, we have over, you know, we have probably too many clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I collect radios just because of my uh, love for radio and and. Mm-hmm. Growing up with it, I can remember as a little kid, my mom saying, don't listen to the little stations. I want to hear the big stations. And, of course, you know, the little stations were kind of more fun because you had to strain to hear them. And, of course, that old 1938 radio that we had in the den would static and crackle and drive her nuts. And, you know, so I, my, my uh, you know, my, my memory of radio goes back. I collect them. And I have, I know you do. I have a lot of radio. And I think, you know, when I hear about a person that doesn't have one or maybe lost their, you know, things like that in a fire or whatever the situation is. You know, I feel bad. I, you know, come on. I can part with one thing. Um, I can part with some of my clothes because I got a lot of, you know, you can only wear so many clothes at a time. <laughs> you know? And the sad part is so many people now have storage spaces away from their house full of stuff oh, yeah. that they probably don't use. And if you've ever been in anybody's house when there's nothing... That really encourages you to 
be a little more generous than just to walk away and back to all your stored stuff you don't use. You know, and we were talking about you guys broadcasting uh, in Stockton. I know that you visit cities like Stockton. You've, you've gone to some of the homeless missions there. And you were working with, the, what was the lady's name there? Terry? Ada Brown. Ada Brown. And yeah. she runs the mission there. And, you know, I guess no matter what city we live in, because we certainly have the homeless in Modesto, Stockton, all over the country, all over the world, um, there's always going to be that need. And there's something that all of us can do, no matter where we live, to help someone, isn't there? You know, there, there really is, and I think, um, and this is, you know, Terry calls me joyful, but I think when I say that the need is going to increase that way, I think that's probably fair. Um, we're going to see more of that as rents go up um, and as people's uh, ability to earn maybe go down a little bit. Um, you know, I see in our company, we've got a lot of part-time people in the building, you know, who can't work over 30 hours a week because if they do, they they are going to get benefits. So the exam so. What a lot of companies are doing, and not just ours, but a lot of companies are saying, "Hey, you know, we'll 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 have you work thirty hours a week, but no more than that." Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you're trying to support an apartment and, and things like this, you can't do it on that. And so I, I think we're going to have more. The poor, you know, the the Lord said the poor will always be with us. That's right, and that is a fact. And 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 uh, they'll always need our help. You know, and the the key here, um, Marty, with that, the the poor will always be with us, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the same poor. No. All the time. Oh, no. You know? And and we have the opportunity. And, and uh, Terry, you just mentioned, you know, Marty is full of joy. I mean, you see the joy mm-hmm. of, of Jesus Christ just emanating Amen. from Marty. It doesn't matter. I mean, I've known Marty. I've been here in this town for, what, 10, 12 years? Yep. And the first time I had my Marty, and man, that guy is just, I didn't say you were full of it. I said you were full of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. you know? yeah. He's also full of it. And and you you do, you, you, you bring light into, into people's yes. lives. And we have the opportunity to build those relationships and make sure that those people who are struggling right now have the opportunity to see Christ in action, mm-hmm. to see Christ with skin on, uh, so to speak, uh, touching their lives, and then they become blessed, and they can turn around as as they mature in the Lord and, and help others. So there's a there's an exponential effect here, and what it really comes down to, I, I think, Marty, and, and maybe uh, you want to comment on this, is it's really centering on am I living a me-centered life or am I living a Christ-centered life? I have to ask myself that all the time. Yesterday, from the pulpit in Big Valley, we were hearing about Vinehouse, and you've probably had Cheryl from Vinehouse oh, yeah. on this program. Yes, we sure. have. And and one of the things that was brought out was this, uh, the mention of somebody who came finally to a celebrate recovery meeting uh, as a result of the ministry of Vinehouse. And the um, main theme was, you know, those people just kept loving me no matter how, you know, how mm. much I lied and said that I was. You know, clean when I wasn't. I have a hard time with that. I mean, not with people who struggle with addictions as much as I have uh, with someone lying to me. Yeah. You know, if you slipped last week, you know, I want to hear it. Hey, I slipped last week. Okay, now let's let let's find out. But being lied to, and that's that's my problem. Um, that I have a tendency to say, oh, forget that. You know, you're gonna lie to me. Forget that. I'll go I'll go to my Oakland A's game this weekend. You know, uh, or or whatever it is that I want to do. Um, so I'm constantly thinking about, you know, what kind of life am I leading? Am I leading a me-centered life or a Christ-centered life? I would hope I'm leading a Christ-centered life, but I have to constantly examine that because uh, sometimes I know I'm not. Marty, speak to the opportunity that we as the church body have 
to reach out to the community who's in need the way that Christ did and and how we can change maybe how we're going about doing that. How can we transform this city to Christ-likeness? Well, I think uh, advancing vibrant communities is doing a lot of that. I think what one of the problems is that the problem of people who are in need is so big, um, and yet um, I think you have succeeded in making it smaller in that you're the clearinghouse. Uh, one of the problems I think that the church would have or has had is that they don't know how to find the people and mm-hmm. and to be able to screen the people who really need the help. So they give up and they say, well, you know, I, we just don't know how to do this. And and so you've made it easier. And I think I'd encourage, I think Big Valley Grace, where I go to church, I have to give them a plug. I think they're really trying to get outside those four walls. Mm-hmm. Um, and some maybe would say, you know, well, it's about time, but they are. They're really trying. And, and um, you and know, I'm not the only church that's trying to do Oh, that. yeah. That's right. But it's the one that I'm familiar with, and so I can I can speak pretty fluently about that. But we sure do appreciate the fact that you guys stepped out today to join us. Marty, the hour's gotten away from us, but I tell you what, you must promise to come back, okay? I will. Marty, Terry, okay. we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening at home or wherever you are. Join us next time when Chris, Aaron, and Jimmy from YWAM, that's Youth with a Mission, join us next week at 530 here on Lighthouse Live. Have a good week, and may God bless you.